Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Life After GDPR podcast where we discuss digital marketing in a post-GDPR world. In today's episode, I have a returning guest, Petri Mertanen. He was on one of the MeasureCamp episodes that we previously released. And Petri reached out to me because he's been working on a interesting technology, especially from a privacy point of view, because it it can help you determine the success of your marketing campaigns and marketing activities without requiring a digital analytics tool. So with all that's happening in the digital analytics landscape, that is, of course, very interesting to explore. I know he's been working on this for uh, for a long time. I remember Mexican presentations of him from, from years back. So yeah, I'm keen to see uh, what he's got for us. So Petri is a digital analytics consultant helping clients in, in Finland and, and outside of Finland to do well with their data. Let's see what he has in store for us. Petri, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rick. It's good to be back and this time remotely from Finland. So we are going to talk about a potential solution to cookie-less future everybody is talking about. And I remember actually a couple of years ago, I think it's six or seven years ago at a measure camp Amsterdam at a different location, you were already giving presentations about media mix modeling and the, the impact that could have. So you've, you've been working on this topic for, for a long time. It's a very interesting topic and you can do marketing mix modeling and, and forecast the total sales of the company, which is, of course, basically with every marketing activities, we try to grow our sales. MMM, as you will often see it re- referenced to online, it, it has already existed maybe even before digital marketing existed. I think it stems from from a world where people were doing print advertising, TV advertising, and radio advertising, and then tried to figure out what was driving their sales. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's correct. Basically, marketing mix modeling has been here for decades. I don't know, from 1960s or 1970s. And it's usually based on linear regression analysis. And and like you said, it has been here around quite a long time. It's interesting that we haven't really used the same method in uh, in the online environment. In this podcast, we'll probably uh, discover some of the reasons why it might not apply for, for some situations online. But I think one of the other reasons is that once we got to digital analytics measuring specific users, probably people felt like that was a more accurate way to measure things and a more interesting metric to look at. And maybe the, the modeling got a little bit forgotten about and people focused more on the, on the accurate metrics. Yes, indeed. I think we, we thought that now this is the, the holy grail. Different kind of digital attributes and models are, they will tell us the truth, how customers behave. But as we know, we still have some issues when it comes to cookies and cookie-related tracking, different kind of devices, different kind of browsers, and, and so on. We would like to know the truth, 
but you know <laughs> it's really hard sometimes yeah. to uh, find the the right method yeah i would even say like we're all trying to measure reality and with digital analytics we felt like we were pretty close maybe because it seemed so accurate but in reality we were still not like until we stick electrodes into all humans brains right we, we cannot really measure reality of how a consumer thinks about our product when they're browsing the website so we're always measuring some abstraction maybe taking a an even a little bit more abstracted approach to measurement is better than having like this fake accuracy that the digital analytics gave us in some situations of course there have been uh, changes in legislation and we are getting less data than, than we used to have before and, and so on. But really mathematical level and you use a statistical model, actually you can also measure how good that model actually is because then you can predict some sort of outcomes. If it's just some sort of conversions like maybe leads, or it can be um, online sales, transactions. You can predict what will be the outcome. And then when you get the actual data, you can see how accurate the model actually is. Yeah. So it's easy to evaluate the goodness of the, of the model. So if I dumb it down a bit, let's say I am a, I'm a marketing manager, CMO, and I have 1 million in spend, and I want to divide this between Google search brand, Google search non-brand, and perhaps Facebook ads in Instagram and in Facebook itself and some other source, then with this modeling, it will allow me to say, if I would allocate 100,000 more to Facebook ads, we expect the end result to be X on your conversions. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And with the online marketing mixed modeling, we don't need to use any web analytics data at all. We put in all the, the spend in each channel. So that is our basically input. And we have input values. And then there is this formula, and then we predict the, the outcome that can be, well, any transactions or online sales. And then with the model, we can try to really optimize what is the, the best mix or where do you should put the money? Yeah, what, what's the, the best allocation of the, of the marketing budget? And yeah, indeed. Let's take it back a step. C could you walk me through like from a technical point of view, like the fundamentals of how this system works, right? So on, on the front end, we have our advertising sources, there's data collected, and there's, of course, like let's take webshop as example. So there's transactions with product categories and revenue and whatever, and there's data collected. How does the rest of the infrastructure look like? You can collect the data from each advertising channel, it's very good if you have a like a marketing data warehouse. If you can put all these spendits, let's say to BigQuery or some somewhere to the cloud usually, then you have the let's say online sales, you have 
e-commerce system and you can get the sales data from there. And this sales data is not affected to any uh, consent restrictions. Yeah. This is the actual sales data. To get the sales data into BigQuery or other cloud infrastructure as well. So basically we have input data, we have output data. And with that data, we can basically use the data in the formula. And you can do the marketing mix model formula. Of course, if you are a data scientist, you may want to use R or some may want to use Python. Or then we do have MMM-specific platforms. In Finland, we have this company, our uh, partner called Selfort. They do the, the heavy lifting of the, of the modeling in their platform. Or if you are a skilled or statistical person, you can use platforms like bigml.com or some other big data platform where, where you can actually do the modeling without coding. And of course, then you can see the, the results from the formula. But the next part is when you see the results, then how do you actually optimize different kind of allocations? How do you do different kind of scenarios? If we move uh, a spend it from Facebook to Google or we do different kind of changes, how that will affect on our sales? And these scenarios and the, and the scenario setting and, and the tool, is it's very interesting because then you can see or, or think like, we want to grow our online sales this much. How much marketing or advertising money we need and how we should divide or allocate this to different kind of channels? I'm wondering... So let's say we have the Facebook data set, right? We have the amount of money spent, we have the amount of clicks, right? And then for Google, we have the same amount of money spent, amount of clicks, and then maybe even separated per campaign, right? Or per ad set or per specific ad. And then on the other hand, we have the conversions. So if we cut out analytics, like Google Analytics or whatever kind of analytics, normally in, in analytics, you would be looking at, okay, this session came from Facebook, now they clicked around a little bit and then they purchased, right? So the, that in that case, last click attribution is to Facebook. And maybe you have multi-touch attribution, so you can see 30 days ago, they clicked on Google ad, 10 days ago, they clicked on Facebook ad, and then, they, and then today they clicked on Facebook ad again, then they purchased, and then you might attribute to Facebook and Google. But this model you are describing is saying, okay, on one end we have spend data, and clicks, which basically would suggest to the model how many people came to the website, right? With how many money was spent. And then on the other side, you have amount of transactions. Yes. And actually, we don't even need the, the click data because it's weird that you have trust on the formula and we have to learn away from, uh, let's say, sessions. And, and that's the power of the formula that we can only look at the spend data. And we can, of course, we can divide it by campaigns because if, if there are campaign, which is, let's say we advertise certain 
product category. Then we can also divide the sales by product category. And, and then we can sort of map these things that when you, we advertised more to this category, we saw incremental sales in this product category. And the one which is really interesting is, is the incremental sales and, and the base sales. Because during the longer run, if the, let's say, online store is open, it's working, there is no uh, errors, there is always some base sales. And sometimes in digital analytics area, we tend to think that when we have this kind of campaign, all the sales is because of that campaign. But that is, of course, that is not actually true. So online MMM, that it actually discovers the incremental sales of its advertising campaign. From a privacy perspective, let's let's look at that angle. This is, of course, very interesting because all our tradition or online traditional ways of doing analytics are now under fire because basically they all use a cookie to identify a user or, or, or a session. And there might be ways around that, but I think it's safe to assume that over the long run, every tool that writes a cookie will at least require consent if it's not forbidden. And even if you require consent, then there will be people who opt out. So the accuracy of our of our Google Analytics, PWIC Analytics, whatever whatever tool you use goes down if you if you respect privacy uh, laws, right? And yeah. if you don't uh, do workarounds. So then this this of course becomes very interesting. So what is the reason that not everybody is doing this? So there, there must be downsides, right? What is the reason not everybody is uh, doing this right now? MMM is not for the the smallest clients or even. Uh, medium-sized clients and of course you you need yeah certain amount of volume let's say that we need to have a thousand conversions or transactions per month well even in a medium-sized online store that can happen so bigger companies there are more than thousand certain conversions and they spend like more than one million euros per year for advertising. These are the sort of numbers that we know that there is a possibility to use online MMM yeah. uh, very well. Like I said, we, we don't need the data collected through the cookies. And, and this is really for some people that always been in the digital analytics space, it's really hard to understand how does this work actually? <laughs> You have to be, uh, maybe you have to study a little bit linear regression analysis or, or something that you can uh, get a hint of that, how we can actually use that in the marketing or advertising area. So the immediate thought I had was, if you can combine the two, that could be very interesting. So, so use your traditional analytics setup to basically verify or maybe help you verify sooner the media mix modeling outcomes. Because I can imagine that the media mix modeling outcomes will sometimes take a bit longer. You need more data in order to reach a conclusion, a result. Yeah. 
back in the days when we were doing like total sales, we used like weekly level data. Uh, we had to take like data for the past two or three years. But now uh, with online MMM, we can use daily data. And that means that we can see data for the past three to six months. Let's say that we, we take data from the past six months. So we actually have roughly more than 180 uh, days. So we have data points like almost 200 data points. And that's actually uh, something we can work on with. We can do the first model. And of course, like you said, uh, we can easily compare that online MMM results, for example, with data-driven attribution reports or, or models. And then, then we basically can see that does these two methods, do they align or are they uh, differences? And in the longer run, we can see how well the online MMM model predicts the sales. And then when we are doing the optimization, we are doing a little bit different allocations. Then we can see that we changed something. So did our revenue or online sales, did it grow? as predicted or expected, or was there something wrong with the model? Yeah, because I, I can assume the experimentation on top of this, you probably want to eliminate contamination. Let's say you have a website with maybe uh, four product categories. You probably want to make sure that you do an experiment per product category to make sure that you can actually measure the impact properly and not do like five experiments at the same time because that will that makes it harder for this model to figure out what happened. That is true that we need some variation in the data. So it's actually a really good idea. Let's say that we have spent some money for display advertising. Then we, we need to just stop it for a while to get some variation in the data so we, uh, the model can evaluate better if uh, there is a change because yeah. of this certain input, if there is a change in the shelf. We can actually take some external factors in the model, like seasonality or even like uh, a weather, <laughs> or we can use different kind of factors in the model, variables. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I used to uh, work. One of my clients in the past was uh, they sold a lot of things, but a lot of it was used car sales. There was quite some. They had a lot of media campaigns on a lot of platforms, online, offline, and there we actually did the same without without this modeling. But basically, we we were very careful about when did we stop or start TV advertising or when did we stop or start display advertising? And then by looking at the data, you could actually see the incrementality. But that was a mostly manual uh, action we were doing to kind of have a grasp of like, if we do TV, how much impact does it have on online? And now that we have the most of the, you know, digital advertising data, it's, it's daily base. It's already online uh, with, some sort of uh, tools like, let's say, Supermetrics for BigQuery or something, we can quite easily uh, actually 
established uh, marketing uh, data warehouse. And then we only need the real sales data from somewhere, maybe from the e-commerce backend or somewhere. And we do have already the data is there. And then we need just to figure out how we do the, the modeling. And like I said, there, there are some MMM specific platforms like Cellforte. We can make even a, let's say we make six months proof of concept or trial period. And then we know, then we can see what is the result to traditional or data-driven attribution model. Like you already said, people like me who, who have been working with digital analytics, for us, it's hard to, it feels like letting go of control, right? Because uh, you, you, uh, you know, you have to trust the model. But the funny thing is that in our world, we also increasingly have to trust the model because data-driven attribution, right? is also uh, usually a black box model that is trying to tell you yeah. what is the truth. And, you know, we never really knew the truth to begin with. But even if you have like, especially the Google algorithm is a black box algorithm, but even if you use MMM specific platform, every model is basically uh, done customer by customer. So... In, in that way, you can actually try if there is some sort of variable or outside factor which affect on your sales. And you can basically discuss about these different variables and factors with the data scientist who actually is responsible for the model and it works. Yeah. So there is not like uh, that platform and you try it yourself and that's it. No, there is some console does it uh, work with that. So there has to be a data scientist who actually measures that the model is really, really working and yeah. how well it's working. If I'm thinking about this for my clients, what are the things they, they need to have or do or think about? One of the things is you need to, you know, you need to have at least a thousand transactions and at least a million spent approximately and higher is probably better, right? More input for, yeah. for the model. So that's one thing to yeah. keep in mind. Probably you could also say that you probably want to use multiple marketing sources, right? If you only use Google search ads, you probably don't really need it, right? <laughs> the more there are channels and uh, the more there are Variation in the in the spendage, the the better. Yes. Okay. So that's also interesting. Can you have multiple conversion inputs? So so let's say for in, for instance, let's say we have a high price product, right? We sell, I don't know, iPhones, whatever, something expensive, right? Maybe even higher, where maybe we have a good indicator of success right somebody adds the product to wish list or you know some some earlier conversion on the website instead of the real purchase we use like something that we think is high likely predictor of success can we also optimize for that yeah we can change the actually the output or the the predict predicted value in the formula and if we want to change that and see something else than transactions or sales we can yeah. try that. 
there is actually a, a one one case that customer wanted to have not like the end conversion point. It was a little bit earlier in the process. For instance, I have a couple of clients who are in recruiting and then online we only measure people filling out the form, but they only make money when they actually place a candidate somewhere, right? So so there's still a gap between it. And of course, you can also get that final conversion in, but that, there's also a big gap in time between filling out the form online and then being placed. But in, in that case, we have to be careful that are we using the web analytics data and is it like 80% accurate or do we get the, the data from the website in the, in the backend system or where, where we get the real number? <laughs> uh, but in this case, so, so let's take recruiting as an example. We could get from the, from the applicant tracking system, the ATS, we could get the amount of form submissions, right? People who fill out the form, who, who leads, let's call them. I know that, so their marketing spend is focused on getting form submissions, but then of course they don't make money on form submissions. They make money way later in the process when somebody gets placed somewhere. But the feedback loop between the form submission and them getting placed is sometimes a couple of months maybe. So that's hard to optimize with a couple of months of feedback loop. Yeah, and it, it's same thing in B2B business. For example, that uh, big B2B uh, businesses get like the more than 1,000 of leads per month, but the sales comes within two or three months after leads. Is there a possibility to, I know with B2B sales, you have this concept of marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. The marketers basically get a lot, bunch of leads in, right? And then the salespeople are like, yeah, but half of these leads are shit. I want higher quality leads. If you have this long feedback loop, is there mm -hmm. a way to later on add additional information to make the model better? Like, hey, of these thousand leads that we sent you three months ago, only 500 were good, right? So learn from that. Is that an option? That's a actually quite tricky one. Uh, I have to think about it a little better and deeper. For example, if we get the sales data later on, put that in the formula as an output uh, variable, then we can compare these two models. First, we try to predict the number of leads, and then we change the aspect a little bit. We have a different kind of model, and we try to predict uh, the actual sales. But it, we know that it comes a little bit later, but we have to um, take care of that because we know that there is a time lag. In advertising, in general, we know that there is some time lag. When the advertising starts, it takes some time when the advertising takes effect. These are the, the interesting, uh, really, you know, details, what you need to discuss with the data scientist when you are building the model, because you can, you can tailor the model. And it's the same thing that we don't, expect the, the linear growth that it keeps uh, growing you know until the uh, rest of the of the world that there are some limitations for market size for example in in finland uh, it's a small market 5.5 million people it's not worth just to advertise with a lot of money because you, you cannot reach any more people yeah <laughs> After a while, you reach them all. Yeah. No, I get, I get that. You've been 
working with this technology for a while. I remember you you were tinkering with like your self-built models in the past. Has the technology really improved a lot in the last couple of years? Like to make it simpler for, for companies to work with this, with these tools? I can remember like, it's not that long ago, but I think three, four years ago, we did MMM project and there was one data scientist. She came right from the school, you know, university. She didn't know basically anything about the, the marketing details. And I was the expert in that area. First of all, it was really hard to collect all the data. We spent hours or I don't know, weeks to get the data in the right format. And then we had to do some data cleaning before we got into the model building. And this has changed a lot because uh, most of the stuff is online and you can actually use these really nice connectors or integration tools to get the data into some sort of cloud environment that is ready for modeling. Or maybe there is some sort of small ETL process in the middle, but with the help of these integration tools, the work gets much more faster. And actually, when we use the, the daily level data, then we can really direct our marketing uh, activities and we can, we can make these different kind of scenarios and, and test things compared to the previous way to do things like every six months or even once per year. We were always late and it was really slow to do like project-based MMM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you want to, of course, test. In the end, the value will be in the experiments you do. And for that to work, it has to be a little bit flexible and work with you. So that the, the biggest increase is in that functionality, you would say. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, with daily level data, we can, for example, we can see that, yeah, we had this... Uh, first quarter and uh, this is how we performed and now let's make these changes and after second quarter we can see that is the uh, results better or, or worse and of course then we can maybe the seasonal things in the model and different kind of things we can we can improve and develop the model to be better i'm just thinking out loud here but is it possible for me to get out of the model a specific transaction ID and then see what source the model attributed it to? Or does it only give aggregates? We don't need to go to a transaction level. Basically, the only level, the total sales with certain product categories, yeah. even for certain products. But we yeah. don't need to go to transaction level. No, yeah, but I think also you can't, right? Because in the end, you're, you're doing a prediction. So you can't actually, if you would be able to attribute a specific transaction, a unique transaction ID to a source, because I was thinking the other way around. I was thinking, can we, uh, sometimes when a, when a user does a transaction or becomes a client, they have this drop-down question of like, how did you find us, right? Like qualitative input, like how did you, uh, how did you find us? And 
what I do at some clients is I compare the what people say, how they found them compared to what our analytics says, how they came to the website, right? So I try to basically figure out if the if the qualitative metrics match up with the quantitative metrics. And I was thinking if for this model, you could do the same. But I've, now that I said it out loud, I, I think it's impossible because the model will never attribute towards the unique transaction ID. It will always be in aggregate groups, right? Yeah, that's true because we, we don't actually use the individual transactions in the, in the model. But, but do you know that how well the, the people um, are answering to that question that you are asking? It can be two things, right? Either, either they are answering wrong or I'm measuring wrong, right? So it can be, it can be both <laughs> problems. Um, but I feel like the qualitative answering... So when you ask people, how did you find us? I feel like that usually matches up better with first touch attribution or like Google Analytics or whatever usually is more focused towards last touch attribution. But usually when you yeah. ask people, how did you find us? They're going to think about where did I find you first? That may be true. And, and we do know that usually the, okay, it depends on the, on the attribution model, but in the digital world, we tend to overrate the last touch points. Like if you ever have heard from Google Page Search Consultant saying that you need to put some more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from the Facebook shirt. consultant. I think having a model, like having a tool like this, what it also solves is the endless attribution discussion. Because instead of thinking about attribution, it will actually look at what is the additional value of spending this money on a, B, and C, and then make an experiment out of it and then continuously experiment. Hey, okay, the model suggests putting an yeah. extra 100,000 in Facebook. Let's try that. It switches the discussion a little bit because the, the endless attribution discussion, uh, most people with analytics know like it's a never-ending loop you can get into with, with clients and uh, it doesn't really solve anything. It doesn't really generate yeah. any action. And of course, for certain companies which are products and services online, but they are selling them uh, in, the, in the brick and mortar stores as well. Online MMM is sort of a, a start to get uh, the confidence for the MMM. And then you can grow that into your, I mean, you can get in your total sales, but then you can get in your offline advertising TV, radio, outdoor, you name it, print. I think the online MMM, it's, it's fast and it's much, much cheaper way to experiment the, the power of MMM. And, and then you can continue. If you see the results, if you can see how accurate that is, if you succeeded optimizing your uh, marketing mix, then maybe you get the confidence to get it, you know, wider and do the whole or total MMM with offline advertising and, and the total sales. Exactly. Step-by-step -step approach. I'm just thinking about like in a client case. So let's take Facebook, for example, right? If we do Facebook advertising and the model suggests to us to throw an extra 100,000 in Facebook as an experiment. Is it also best practice or recommended to then not adjust the Facebook campaigns in that period? Because I can imagine like 
if at the same time your team is also creating new visuals for Facebook or new headlines and new right so there's always work being done in the advertising source itself as well so do you have like a, a best practice of okay when we when we do an experiment of allocating more or less money to a certain source we also don't adjust the campaigns or do the do the campaigns need to be at like a certain level before you do that of course the the spendage has to be in in certain level but then uh, we can split the the spendage by certain advertising versions for example so we can certainly test the creative part as well mm. okay yeah that could be interesting then of course you need even more volume to be testing at the at the creative level right because then uh, the differences become very small so you you need probably uh, to be large B2C brand to do that, but that's very interesting, yeah. If there is a scenario that we will put like 100,000 euros more to Facebook, you, you maybe have to talk with the, with the Facebook advertising specialist that how can we do it, or is it possible even? <laughs> yeah, 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 before you burn it. Yeah, of course, the, the model doesn't know the, what are the limitations for market size or target group or whatever. So it's not like that it's going to automate everything. Uh, we, ne- we need human touch in the, in the decision-making and planning. Yeah, yeah. We, we're not automated the way fully yet. <laughs> no. But most of the research is when it comes to machine learning or AI, we get the best results when there is human knowledge and uh, some sort of modeling or algorithm yeah. working together. For now. Until Skynet takes over. Yeah, that at least my, my colleague is prepared for. He has everything <laughs> ready for that. Creating Stoyarno. For the apocalypse. <laughs> Patrick, thanks, thanks a lot for, uh, for, sharing, uh, for sharing this information. I think your dog is in the background. Does he want to uh, join the podcast for a second or no? Yeah, I don't know. She <laughs> wants to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> we have to cut it short. Where can people find you online or le- learn more about this? Are you active on LinkedIn, Twitter, or your website? What's the best place to uh, send them to? Of course, I'm, I'm LinkedIn, and um, you can actually um, find my latest presentations about, about this in SlideShare slash Mertanen. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes for everybody yeah. that's interested. Thank you. Cool. Thanks a lot for, uh, for sharing your knowledge. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much for having me.